0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: The Biggs.
0: Biggs
1: time. Biggs. With money
0: and Haw. Biggs time. The Biggs Report. With Brad Biggs. Bigs time. Biggs His name is Brad. Talks
2: Football with you. Mully and ha, Chicago Sports Radio, 670. The score, Zach is in for Mully today. Time now to go out to our hotline, Signature Bank Score hotline, Signature Bank, making commercial banking personal, and that is where we find the football man from the Chicago Tribune, longtime friend of the show, our guy, Brad Biggs. Morning, Brad. How are you? Morning, boys. What's going on? Doing well. Well, yesterday, let's just get right to it. We had a conversation in the morning. I thought it was a good one. I thought we talked about Justin Fields, where he is headed, what he has to do. I think what you said about his growth and still uh, his potential to get better sounded very similar, Brad, to what Ryan Poles had said before Sunday's game with Jeff Joniak. And the reaction, I'm sure you felt some of it. Uh, We talked about it. How would you describe – what you felt yesterday after our conversation in the morning.
3: I mean, it's like you you criticize the quarterback and people say that you can't criticize the quarterback because the offensive line is deficient. They've allowed the most sacks in the league because the wide receivers are not any good. And I, I think the I think the conversation that football people at House Hall are going to have at the end of the season is they're going to make a total evaluation of everything they're going to evaluate the line play and come to the realization that they need to do more. They're going to evaluate the receivers and see that they need to do more. They're going to evaluate the quarterback and they're going to look at some of the areas where Justin Fields clearly needs to get better. You know, you can't go to Detroit and go seven to 21 for 75 yards against one of the league's worst defenses. Yes, the protection was terrible. There were a season-high seven sacks. An elite quarterback's got to find a way to – he makes plays here and there, and it might not be big-time plays routinely. He might not throw for uh, 300 yards regularly, but he, but he comes up with some plays here and there. What we saw in that game was the 60-yard run that he had, uh, which was dynamic. Uh, like all the other long runs he's had this season. And we saw the play where they lined him up as a tailback. That was 40% of their offense. Um, It's an 11 man effort when they throw the football and none of the 11 have been uh, good enough. Everyone is going to have to be improved. They're last in the league in throwing the football this season. And they're, and it's not your run of the mill 32nd ranked passing offense in in terms of the statistics. It's going to be one of the worst passing offenses of the last three decades, and unless uh, unless Nathan Peterman uh, blows up on Sunday against the Vikings, who are also Uh, terribly ranked on defense
4: yeah and if Nathan Peterman blows up on on Sunday then that's going to leave us with even more questions about why the Bears passing game was so bad for most of this season you have detailed conversations with NFL people can you give us an idea of what it means when they say the quarterback has to play a bigger role in improving the passing game, what exactly do you mean? Well,
3: I think when you just look at this case, you know, there's been look look at what Matt Eberflus said on um, earlier this week. You know, he talked about Fields uh, operating better in the pocket, being able to climb the pocket better. You know, those are things that um, he's probably getting a little bit better at this season, but he's got a a oh, good ways to go, and understandably,
2: Did we lose Brad. I think we just lost Brad there. Not sure, what? Uh, there he is. Is he back? Brad, you there? Okay, well, Briggs is talking about um what he has gleaned talking to other NFL executives about Justin Fields. You know, what
4: happened is those executives just said we don't want Brad to reveal the secrets.
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, but he's got to climb the pocket. He's got to manipulate the pocket better. And he's got to move from, um, he's got to move through his reads a little bit cleaner. And it's something that Mitch struggled with. You know, you look, one thing you look at with the bears this season is the running backs haven't caught very many passes and one, not the only, but one, I think, contributing factor is that he hasn't gotten to the check down um, maybe as many times as he or the coaches would like. You get to that check down, you save some wear and tear on the body when you're not scrambling out of the pocket and being tackled or scrambling out of the pocket and being uh, pushed out of bounds. You talk to guys around the league with different clubs, and there's a there's a whole you know, mixed bag of sort of opinions and reactions and thoughts as to what fields can become as the bears quarterback. Some think that, uh, he's got the potential uh, to be electric and way more dynamic with better talent around him, which is going to take the bears some time. Uh, others are not, uh, are not convinced of that, but, um, It's going to be up to Ryan Poles um, and his staff and what they can do to make this offense as a whole better across the board. And then how the coaches work with Justin and how he develops in what's going to be year two in the offense, right? This is his third offense in three seasons. When you talk about what he was in at Ohio state in 2020 last year. And now this year with the, Luke Getzey and Andrew Janoco.
2: So, Brad, we had a good text earlier that was looking at Sunday's game as still an entertainment opportunity. So, if they're going to the game, wow. the question was, <laughs> what do they look for? What, what's something significant or interesting even to watch if you are a Bears fan trying to consume Sunday's three hours of football?
3: Well, so I'm assuming they would not find it interesting if the Bears ended a uh, eight-game NFC North losing streak. Maybe not.
2: <laughs> I thought you were going to say the fake punt because it needs to be a fake punt.
3: Well, yeah, no. I mean, and that's that's got to be on the table. Like, like there, and you think about that, and I actually mentioned this to uh, Richard Hightower, the special teams coordinator in passing yesterday. Is like yeah. he's – he's got a very finite number of opportunities remaining <laughs> if he wants to, if he wants to run a fake. And uh, he pointed out that they punted seven times last week at Detroit. And I said, that was a season high number of punts for Trenton Gill. Um, typically he's only going to get about, I, I, I would bet the average is five, um, you know, five in a decimal with a little bit of change there at the end. So maybe they have to consider something on a field goal. Um, but um, we'll see if he's got any, you know, at this point though, they're three and 13, right? Uh, a win, you know, while it would make the coaches probably feel better and it would make the players definitely feel good. Uh, do you, this, if Hightower's got a fake, he really likes, like, I can't wait to, when I get the right look, I can't wait to break this one out. Why in the world would he use it when they're ten games below five hundred? It's a great question. You, you know, like I mean, you'd use it in a in a game where early next season, where a win matters a, a hell of a lot more. Because that's just it. You you throw your uh, the fake that you've been uh, you know tweaking and working on for a while, and you really like. And again, you need the right. You got to get the right show from the defense to run it, but you, you kind of have to store it for a little bit more uh, have some uh, fun. Important ball game. Let it out. I, it, well, I encouraged him. You know, we'll see. <laughs> he tried, Fred. But it's kind of it's it's kind of an on and off joke I have with Hightower. So uh, when I say encourage him, it's it's more like kidding with him.
4: Brad, uh, I don't think uh, anyone was laughing watching Chase Claypool throw his sideline tirade in Detroit. We had a a chance this week to finally hear his side of the story. What do you make of it? Uh, Because for me, at least, I like the fact that you had a player show visible anger and passion that nothing was going right against one of the worst defenses in football. I want to see more of that because I I think there has to be a little bit more anger. You cannot accept what we've witnessed this season from the Bears offensively.
3: Yeah, I'll tell you what. They've managed to turn sort of a head-scratcher situation into what looks like a positive. The first thing that was positive, I think we talked about it, maybe Monday morning was the the way that uh, Justin Fields sort of explained what he saw happen and what his message for Claypool was, right? You heard, you know, he just sounded, it, it, it was right after the game and it was so like smooth and natural um, and, and I guess polished, I guess the word I want to use, it was so polished that you're like, geez, did this guy get coached up on on how he was going to deliver this? But you knew he didn't, right? So that's how that's how impressive it was with kind of how Fields addressed it with what Claypool said yesterday. Yeah, that's a that if he was uh, upset about not getting the football, that's a great way to spend it. That um, we're upset that we're getting um, our teeth kicked in by uh, the Detroit Lions. So yeah, I think I think what you're alluding to is you want to see a little more fire. Um, and, uh, you know, that was what people used to say about Lovey all the time. And it's like, well, Lovey's not Ditka. Um, but, um, that's, that's fine. What they got to see next year from Claypool is, is more, um, production. There's, there's just no way that this, um, this thing's worked out like the bears would have hoped to this point. And then the issue, uh, cost them a little bit of, uh, a little bit of time, but, um, he's just he's just not getting anything done out there on the field.
2: So Brad, we know Justin Fields will be unable to break the single season rushing record for quarterbacks because he's not playing on Sunday, but I believe the Bears can still set the franchise record for uh rushing yards in a season and if they do and able to make that kind of history, you look at the offensive line and that's a very odd Dynamic and somewhat of a contradiction. They will make history with a positive record for rushing yardage so they can run block to the point where they have been historically good. And yet, I don't think that you can look at this offensive line and guarantee that any one of those five guys, whoever they may be starting on Sunday, whoever the main starters are, that are capable of being replaced next year.
3: Yeah, that's the... That's the big problem, you know, because any way you slice it, they're completely deficient pass blocking, and uh, yet the rushing totals are uh, terrific. And one of the reasons the um, rushing totals are terrific is because Fields has been able to um, create so much. And it it started out um, with just the scrambles, and then they worked in uh, the designed runs, and you know, you look at it, and they're they're approaching 2,900 yards of uh, rushing offense, and, and Fields has got 11:43. So I think um, his unique skill set with the size, the speed, and the power is is the primary reason why they're closing in on this. This isn't a traditional. Um, ground game that that's, um, you know, like what you'd see from the Tennessee Titans when they put up some huge numbers here, the last couple seasons using Derrick Henry, um, David Montgomery should, should reach, uh, 800 yards on Sunday. Um, and Khalil Herbert should reach 700 and Herbert's missed. Uh, they have both missed a little bit of time. Herbert missing a little bit more, uh, than Montgomery, but I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think you'd feel a little bit different about the run blocking if you had a pair of running backs at a thousand yards each and a quarterback that had run for four hundred yards because I just fields has been able to do so much um unblocked or or with catching a block from one guy in one particular spot that um you give credit to the offensive line for a good portion of this, but this isn't them uh, necessarily steamrolling guys up front week in and week out. They have had some games along the way where they have run blocked very well. There's no question about that. But overall, yeah, they're, they're going to have their work cut out for them from a personnel standpoint in terms of trying to upgrade that unit.
4: Brad, you mentioned earlier in talking to people around the league that there's some people who believe that there is so much more that Justin Fields can do and he can become even more dynamic and explosive as a player. And then you mentioned that you talk to other people around the league and they say that this is not something that is sustainable and and they're not sure if you can build around him and, and go to that next level. Is there such a debate taking place behind closed doors at Hallis Hall? Do they know the answer? I
1: mean,
3: I don't know that they know definitively, but I think they feel like they've got a real opportunity here. And, um, that's, that's what matters. And, and he's, the flashes are there. Okay. The flashes are there, but, um, they, they've, uh, they did a really poor job of outfitting the offense this season, right? You know, I, I don't, I don't know that they would admit it, but um, when when you sign two veteran offensive linemen right before training camp and they end up playing a decent amount of time, Riley Reef and Michael Schofield, um, how did how did you put yourself in that position where you were needing to hit the street to get a couple of guys uh, right before camp started? And Reef and Reef probably didn't sign earlier in the off season because he was coming off an ankle injury that he suffered late in the year as with the Bengals last season. But I just uh, you, you know they've they've got to be better. They've and they've done the they've done this part of the schedule for polls where they've gotten rid of players, right? They've let players go. They've got to get into the business of accumulating players here uh, after this season ends and um and and do better because you put whoever there at quarterback and I think we'd have some of the very same conversations right now where you're saying I I don't know. I'm not sure um uh, what he can be, I, I, I do believe that what they're currently doing is not sustainable because the quarterback uh, can't get hit that much, whether it be in the pocket or on the run, because it just doesn't, it just doesn't lend itself um, to sustainability, and the reality is you've got to be able to throw the football in the National Football League uh, to win. And and these guys uh, have, can't do it well enough at all, and certainly haven't been able to do it when they've been pushed in the obvious passing situations. We've seen that at the end of ball games. So they've got to get better across the board.
2: Quickly, Brad, in sixty seconds, two things. Number one, what can you tell us about the story you are going to be posting later today on ChicagoTribune.com dot com about the Bears' draft options? And to look at the possible quarterback position, and what is your pick for Sunday's outcome?
3: Well, the pick, uh, the pick is the Vikings, and I, I just don't know what to make of this. Uh, with um, you know the Bears missing so many players, and you're wondering how motivated Minnesota will be. I think I had Minnesota twenty-seven to ten, but yeah, I'm, you
5: know, it's it's
3: more of uh, putting on a blindfold and throwing a dart than it is most weeks. And then I like, think when you look ahead to the draft. You've just you've got to if you're going to talk about a best player available approach. Ryan Poles has got to look at everything, especially when you're at the top of the draft. He's got to make sure that he doesn't let the next Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or uh, other super talented quarterback go by him. I'm not suggesting that there's a high possibility that happens at all, but you can't act like. Uh, the Bears are set at that position if, if because, you know, let's say one of these guys turns into the next borough in two or three seasons that gets taken this year, you, you, you would potentially be in a position where you'd look at it and say, well, w- why the heck when the Bears were picking one or two in 2023, did the guy not take uh, this player? So best player available, you got to live by the rule.
2: Great stuff, Brad. Looking forward
3: to that story.
2: Thank you for joining us. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Sunday. Have a great weekend, guys. Brad Biggs, football man from the Chicago Tribune. Boy, is that interesting. Boy, am I looking forward to that column on Chicagotribune.com later today. Big Z, looking at the Bears' options at the top of the draft. What do you think they're going to do? What do you think they should do? 312-644-6767. We'll talk about it when we come back. Zach is in for Molly. It's Molly and Haas, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score.
6: our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward.
5: this to be his franchise he wants this to be his city um you know he could just the way he works i mean you spend five minutes with the kid and you know that i mean he's he's a dude like he's he's a dog he's an alpha so um so really me just you know you spend you know spend a little bit of time with him you know hey this guy he wants to be it
2: he's a dude as andrew ginoco the bears quarterbacks coach talking about justin field's Molly and Haas, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Zach Zademan in for Molly today. Zach, very clear that everyone at Hallis Hall who is around Justin Fields appreciates his approach. And they see this big personality wanting to, or big personality might be the wrong way to describe Justin Fields externally when he's out. But I think internally in that locker room, his word carries a lot of weight. And so... You hear stuff like Ginoko says he wants to be the franchise quarterback. Nobody doubts that. I think the big offseason question is, will the Bears give him that opportunity? And it's a bigger question right now as we sit here on January 6th than, frankly, I thought it would be. I think the
4: fact that we could be sitting here a week from now talking about the Bears potentially having the top overall pick in the NFL draft or the number two pick changes the conversation a little bit because when you have that position in the draft, you can't ignore the possibility of selecting a quarterback. You have to take a look at the quarterbacks that are available.
2: Sure you can. If you believe in your quarterback that you already have In the building. Do
4: they? And and I don't know the answer to this.
2: I'm not not trying to. That's my point, is that I felt like we would have a better idea, a more clear-cut path that the Bears have established, chosen, declared, all of those things. And I just, I'm a little bit surprised that we haven't. I know why. I, I understand that, but I just am a little bit surprised. So I guess if you have to ask the question, How do the Bears feel about Justin Fields at the end of the season, his second year? Asking the question answers it, doesn't it?
4: You you feel better about him right now than you did a year ago at this time because there was significant doubt as to whether or not this guy had the ability to stick in the NFL. I mean, the Bears were nothing a year ago at this time at the quarterback position. And then to start this year, they were averaging 15.5 points per game through that Thursday nighter against Washington. And then they scrapped the entire offense. And all of a sudden, you saw something you didn't see at Ohio State. You saw a completely different element to Justin Fields as a dynamic playmaker. And that was... A guy who could score, a guy who could all of a sudden turn into Walter Payton or Devin Hester, and any time he tucked the ball and started to run, there was an opportunity for a touchdown.
2: That's how dynamic. I mean, that's that's special, and that's why I don't think you can move on from that. That's my opinion, and it's a good debate, and it's going to go on for a while. But I don't think you move on from somebody that special.
4: Then help me understand why there is significant difficulty with routine pass plays. The, the routine pass plays
2: I, I'm not arguing are, not, with that. are not being – I've identified that. Are, I believe that. He does struggle with the simple. I don't know why. I think maybe inexperience, maybe something he'll get better at with confidence, with experience, with better players around him. I don't know, Zach, but I think that when you see special, you embrace it. Of because it's, it's, it's difficult to, to draft and impossible to defend. So you have to find a way to, even if you don't, it's not your ideal situation, I think you have to learn to love it. Now, can you get more special in the draft?
4: And I know the immediate thing is you shake your head and you say no, but when you start to really put the microscope on some of these players that that play the quarterback position. Can you get special both with the arm and with the legs? And, and I think you, you owe it to yourself if you're the head football man at Hallis Hall to take a look at these guys before you just say, I'm all in on Justin Fields, and I'm, I'm giving away that pick because, man, and, and you heard Brad talk about this, your only opportunity to get special,
2: like truly special, is when you pick first or
4: second in the draft.
2: Let's go back to the score listener line, powered by BetQL. Daryl is listening on the Odyssey app. Daryl, welcome to the Mullen Haw Show.
5: Good morning. Thanks for taking the call. And uh, I understand the uh, concerns with, with passing. But, uh, you know, just looking at uh, a couple of stats, Aaron Rodgers is, what, six, 6.8? pass uh passing yards per attempt, twenty five TDs, eleven picks. Justin Fields he's got seven yards per uh pass. I, I just think that we 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 grabbed uh, a big play quarterback and uh we, we put him in um a managing uh uh quarterback scenario with Getsey. Well not with Get well at first it was Getty early in the year. And with Nagy, and I, I don't think the quarterback even understood that he could he could play big with his legs when he came in the league. So basically, we we grabbed a big play quarterback in Chicago and turned him into. Um, we, we're trying to turn him into a quarterback manager type, and which is good. Which is good. He needs to to do those type of quarterbacking uh, uh, plays under. Uh, the conditions of not having big playmakers around him. And so I I think that uh, the draft coming up and uh, we'll see, you know, we we saw the growth in his playmaking ability. The whole league did. But uh, we just need to embrace that part of it and be patient for the other part to to settle in. Thanks, Daryl. Appreciate
2: the phone call. Eddie is on the south side. Eddie, welcome to the Mullen Haw Show.
5: So sick of all of Brad Biggs and Zach's and all these people talking about why would the Bear, that would be the stupidest thing for the Bears to do is to draft the quarterback, have to try to develop him again. Put Luke, Luke, guess and them don't want no new quarterback, they got to teach the offense over, teach the offense again to all this man, just the fields to prove, man, let him. He showed you at Ohio State what he could do. Get him the players, and he's going to be all right. Thanks, Eddie. Appreciate the phone
2: call. He's not playing Rutgers, Nebraska, and Minnesota anymore. I mean, that's the difference between the college of Justin Fields and the NFL version.
4: I understand everyone that says, hey, just just put some weapons around him, and boom, the whole thing's going to go. I just want to make sure that Justin Fields is the best that you can do especially if you have the first or second overall pick in the draft and there's an opportunity to get, potentially get, something better. If you've watched Bryce Young, I'm just throwing his name out there, if you've watched him at Alabama over the last few years, that's special. That's special. That's special quarterbacking ability with the pass and the run.
2: I am not a big Bryce Young guy. I'm just going to tell you that. I I, I said that. I want to study him more, but I do have some concerns about his overall size.
4: The physique is, yes. is what would worry
2: you. It would it does worry me. Let's go back out to Chip who is on the road. Chip, welcome to Mullen Ha Show.
5: Thanks, guys. David's right. Zach is wrong, and Zach is driving me crazy with
2: this drafting the quarterback stuff. I'm quoting Zach just momentarily ago about drafting a special guy in the first two picks. Mahomes, pick number ten, and contrary to that. Mitch Trubisky, what, was he
1: picked number two? We don't know. You can pick someone number one, and you don't know. And Fields has shown everything that we need to see to know that we have a really, like, 90-plus percent chance that he's a really special
2: quarterback. And it doesn't matter if we pick somebody number one as a QB,
5: and we're quoting Moneyball, you just don't know.
4: Thanks, Chip. the best
2: executives don't miss, right? They, they don't miss when they get an well, opportunity. Well, I with that. I think his point is that you can find players at 10 like they did with Mahomes, and this is the whole reason why, Zach, I have been pushing back at this notion all season long. The draft position is not big enough or important enough to sacrifice everything else about wins and losses in 2022. That's always bothered me because I do believe the best executives can find guys whether it's at 4 or 5 or 7 or 8 or 9 you find the best players that's your job so don't let everything else be dictated by or affected by your obsession with draft order that is taken over chicago that's bothered me more than any of this other conversation about the quarterback
4: i think if if you're a good executive you end up drafting a joe burrow first overall and and you don't play play games you start taking a look at all of the executives that passed on Mahomes and Watson, and where are they now? And many of them are no longer the chief executives with the teams that that they were with at the time, including the guy here. Ryan Pace got fired because he swung and missed. Not only did he not pick
2: Mahomes or Watson – but then he traded up. Yeah, but you know what? He left a lot of runners on base, Zach. He, he struck out more than once. Kevin White, whiff. Leonard Floyd, whiff. Exactly. So that. that Mitch Trubisky, whiff. Sit down, young man. You're not getting another bat. And and I just want to make sure
4: Ryan Poles, not just Poles, but the offensive coordinator, Luke Getze, have both come from places that have the prototypical franchise quarterbacks, right? Guys that are dynamic and athletic and can make plays with their legs, but guys that also know how to hurt you in a big way with their arms consistently in Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. And that is something that if you can get that in the draft, you don't want to be passing that up
2: because of a four-game stretch in which Justin Fields amazed you with his legs. He is Zach Zagman. He is in for Mully today. When we come back, you know what time it is. Get out your pencils. Joe Fortbaugh, our guy in Vegas, joins us next. It's Mullen Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Molly and ha, Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The Score, Zach Zayman in for Molly today. You know what that music means? It's time to go out to Vegas. Our guy out there, the Daily Wager Star, weeknights at five o'clock on the Four Letter Network. It is time to go to Joe Fortenbaugh. Joins us on the Signature Bank Score Hotline. Signature Bank, making commercial banking personal. Good morning, Joe. How's it going?
1: Happy New Year's, boys. Happy New Year's indeed to everyone in the great city of Chicago and beyond. Very excited for Week 17. I should say 18 here in the NFL. Not off to a great start if I couldn't get that stat right. But regardless, the uh, the train plows forward, boys. The train plows forward.
2: It does, Joe. And now we have a little bit more clarity about what to expect in the AFC in terms of seating and what that game on Monday night won't be played. I think it's been a very uh, – Compelling week in the National Football League brought out the best and a lot of people uh, under the worst possible conditions. When you talk about uh, DeMar Hamlin and everything that he has been through and the Bills have gone through, just generally speaking, Joe, how has it affected, you know, if it has at all, it, life in your world, life in, in the sports gambling uh, genre?
1: You know, it's interesting. It's been a it's been a remarkable story throughout the course of the week to not only follow Hamlin's progress each day, which I think is something that has just been wonderful to get those updates for all of us. But like you said, David, the the people who have rallied around this in this day and age, it's so easy for us to get caught doom scrolling and focusing on so much negative stuff. I mean, here's a guy who had a charity where he was aiming for twenty five hundred bucks. Last I saw, it was close to 8 million. I mean, the the, the medical staff that rallied around him, the way in which this went down, it shows the very best of us. Like, we we need to see more of the very best of us so we don't get caught up with so much of the negative that can drag us down day to day. Um, From a Vegas perspective... It's had an impact, obviously. Um, if you if you bet win totals, like the Bills over their season wins, the Bengals over their season wins or unders, a lot of sports books their house rules are 17 games for action. So even though Buffalo had crossed over and Cincinnati had crossed over, those bets will likely be refunded. Some sports books are going to say, you know what, you had it anyway. We'll go ahead and pay it out. But a lot of house rules, those will be refunded. Odds have obviously shifted to win the AFC because we now have a new scenario in terms of a possible neutral site game, how the one seed will be played. You know, bets refunded from Monday night's game because it ended up being no action. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot they've had to sort through, all obviously secondary to the, the major New story of Hamlin becoming, uh, uh, taking steps and making progress each and every day.
2: Joe, it is week 18. As we see here in Chicago, teams aren't going to be playing starters. Justin Fields not against the Vikings. It's going on around the league. Does it make it the easiest week or the hardest week to be betting on games?
1: because if you're ahead of the information, you you can have a fantastic week. Uh, You know, Big Z and I were talking last week. He always reaches out on Sunday to get an idea of what the opening number is going to be for the Bears. And Sunday night I was telling him it's Minnesota minus one. And we're both looking at each other trying to figure out one, like where did this come from? Like obviously the thought process was Minnesota blowing that game against Green Bay and San Francisco winning would put Minnesota in a situation where they're locked into the three seed. But – the, what do the Bears have to play for? You came all this way with this season. What, you're suddenly going to win a game at the end to jeopardize a top-two draft pick that a lot of people could be interested in trading up for because of the quarterback situation? So you can find some opportunities here. Um, ripping through the card, what we're looking for, let's start with Saturday's games. I've got a small lean. Let's make it very clear. Small lean to Tennessee plus the points. Mike Vrabel with nine or more days of preparation in his coaching career is 9-1 and one straight up. 9-1 and one against the spread, beating the closing number by 15 points per game. There's a low total there. I think 6.5 might be too many. I'll have a small wager on Tennessee. I'll have a slightly larger wager later in the day on the Raiders over the Chiefs. This is the seventh time this year Kansas City is a favorite of nine or more points. Wow. Like, we're asking them to do too much. Translation, they're and one against the spread this year. They're 3-5 and against the number on the road. If they're up big, the back door's wide open because they could yank the starters late. Uh, the Raiders don't seemingly have any plans to quit. They played hard last week. I could see them giving up a fight this, this week again, so give me the 9 The Sunday we go, I'll take the Rams plus the 6 against the Seahawks. When you have a situation where where one team has something to play for, like the Seahawks, and one team doesn't, like the Rams, you tend to get overinflated lines, which is what I think we have here. Remember, the Rams have no incentive to blow this game because their first-round pick goes to the Lions. So they might as well come out and play. They're 2-2 two two with Baker Mayfield. I think that Seattle defense is a little bit suspect, and it's a team that's 1-6 and six against the spread over their last seven. So I'd play the Rams plus the six. Cleveland and Pittsburgh going under 40 points is a solid play in my opinion. Brown's defense has really turned it on. They're only allowing 14 points per game over their last six. T.J. Watt on the field for Pittsburgh is a huge difference. I think it's going to be a grind for the offenses. I played Carolina plus three and a half against the Saints. Uh, I know both teams have been eliminated. I know it was tough for Carolina last week, but Steve Wilkes is probably not going to be their head coach next year. Who knows about Sam Darnold? Those guys I think are still going to come to play, and it's a low total. Give me the three and a half in a game. I could see them winning outright. I also hold your breath on this one. I am going to lay the two with Miami against the Jets, all right? This game opened Miami minus three. Skyler Thompson was named the quarterback. It moved all the way to Jets minus one and a half, at which point you're thinking, what the hell is going on here? The Jets had everything to play for last week in Seattle. They scored six points and got blown out. Now they've been eliminated. What, they're going to go to Miami and suddenly they want to play hard? I can't figure that one out at all, so I will lay the two with Miami. So to recap, Dolphins minus two over the Jets. Steelers Browns under 40 Rams plus six Panthers plus three and a half Raiders plus nine and a half small bet on the Titans plus six and a half
4: let's move to the college football championship what do you got
1: all right interesting game I think if you like TCU the best you were going to see is 14 and the 14 is gone I don't think it's coming back because we're starting to see this number trickle down from 13.5 to 13. Now it's as low as 12. The total's been interesting because it opened 63, got bet down to 62. Now it's moved back up to 63.5. Public's going to be all over the over. I'm going to make two plays on this game. I don't particularly love either one, but I am betting it. I do like them. Let's start with the side. I'll lay the 12 with Georgia. I know a lot of people think I'm crazy based on what we just saw, but I think there's two things working against TCU here. Number one they caught a lot of breaks. I don't want to say they caught a lot of breaks, but how are you going to replicate that performance against Michigan? Two pick sixes. You held the Wolverines to three of 15 on third and fourth down. The Roman Wilson touchdown that was ruled down at the one that led to a fumble. I don't know if you're going to have something like that against Georgia. Okay, that's number one. Number two – Kirby Smart after that game against Ohio State when he was talking to Laura Rutledge made it pretty clear that he he was not pleased with how his team played. I think if you're TCU, you would have much rather watched Georgia absolutely annihilate Ohio State rather than have the scare of a life against Ohio State. Because when they zone in like they did against Tennessee early in the season, they completely lock that team down. And I could see that happening here. So I'm going to lay the 12 with Georgia. I'm also going to play under 63 and a half. I I think TCU's defense is coming to play here boys or excuse me i think Georgia's defense is coming to play and tcu's defense has made enough stops throughout the course of the season to warrant uh backing them in an under situation so yes georgia minus 12 under sixty-three and a half.
2: great stuff joe appreciate it have a great weekend enjoy the games
1: love you boys best of luck this weekend go bears joe fortenbaugh our guy
2: from the four letter network on the daily wager every day looking ahead that is Monday night football there will be no NFL on Monday night this week because of the playoffs but there will be Monday night football Georgia TCU looking forward to that
4: one and can i mend what joe just said you don't want to say go bears there's this this is one last week in the regular season no bears you do not want the bears to You're win rooting, this week rooting
2: for that loss you, you've that-
4: already endured
2: everything you've endured this season don't ruin it with a win. Will you be disappointed if the Bears beat the Vikings?
4: I think the entire city will be disappointed if they beat the Vikings.
2: I, I, think I know one guy who won't be. We'll talk to him next. Oh. The voice of the Bears, Jeff Joniak, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7, the score.
1: Do a dance, baby! Do a dance!